Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host. My name is Anthony Tringale, and this week I'm talking to a good friend of mine, Mr. Les Baker. Um, you know, there's some context to this guest. I used to, I've talked about it before in the podcast years ago. I lived out in a place called Colleen, Texas, and uh, lived there for uh, two or three years. Uh, moved back here to Syracuse about six years ago and got things started here with Eat Local New York. But Mr. Les and his, his wife, Miss Paula, they had a uh, food truck, food trailer, uh, barbecue food truck uh, out there in central Texas. And, you know, I frequently tell people, restaurant owners I know around here, stories about them and how good their food was and how hard they worked and how they got started. And um, about three weeks ago, I was just thinking to myself, man, I really, I should have him on the podcast and uh, have Mr. Les tell a story, you know, because I meet, you know, I don't, I meet a lot of different restaurant owners and some of them, you know, everybody has a different project, right? But there's people that I meet that are just getting started out and they have some outrageous idea for a restaurant and they think that they need to, you know, spend millions of dollars. And listen, if you're a Myers Creek, right, if you're, you know, put in a big place downtown, yeah, you need to have something great and you need to, uh, you know, crazy and you need to spend a lot of money. But that's not the only way to get into this industry. And you'll hear in this conversation I had with, uh, with Les that, you know, it's not about how you start. It's not about the money that you spend. It's not about having the biggest sign or the best menu or, you know, spending tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars right out of the gates. It's about producing great food that's quality, that's consistently good, and about having great customer service. And um, that's what him and Miss Paula did with their restaurant, with their food trailer, with their barbecue business. And that's what they did for seven years and built it up and were very successful with it. And um, yeah, you know, I'm just really happy I was able to sit down and talk with him. So that's all I got for you. <laughs> Here's my conversation with Les Baker. Well, we're talking with Mr. Les Baker. Uh, I know Les from my time living in Colleen, Texas, and uh, I've talked about that a little bit before here on the podcast, but for a couple of years there, I lived out in Colleen and uh, went to church with Mr. Les and his family at uh, Destiny World Outreach Center, church I worked at at the time. And uh, well, Les, you had, you know, well, I, I should say, I should say a couple stories that stand out to me about uh, you and Miss Paula. One of them is um, just the barbecue in general. I mean, it's not too hard to beat barbecue from up north, um, but you all definitely did that in spades. And uh, the second story I will uh, always remember, and I've told uh, pretty often, I forget the name of this restaurant, that there was a large group of us from church that went to this place, uh, Maybe it's in Salado. It was a uh, uh, steakhouse sort of place slash bar, and I just remember uh-huh. that they had this uh, this special like it was a steak for two, you know. 
and uh-huh. uh, and it came with you know this huge steak and two baked potatoes and you know another side and two salads. And I asked for blue cheese, and uh, it was like right around the time I had first moved to Texas. I asked for blue cheese dressing for my salad, and the woman looked at me and said, "You're a Yankee, aren't you?" And uh, you and Miss Paula <laughs> were there at that dinner, and so that's why I remember you two in it. But yeah, yeah, that was Johnny's Steakhouse. Johnny's Steakhouse—that's the name of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so for all of our listeners uh, who don't know you other than that story. Can you tell everybody uh, what it is that you did, your restaurant? Tell us a little bit how you got started and all that kind of stuff. Well, I grew up in in a family that did a lot of cooking, and my mother taught me early on in years. Probably my first meal that I could cook myself was fried bacon and make cream gravy and put it over bread because they worked in the nursery and landscape business. And when I would get home, they may not get home till 7, and I was in school all day. I, I would get hungry. So mother taught me early how to make homemade cream gravy and who, who doesn't like bacon, right? (laughs) So my dad had a barbecue place back when I was probably 10, 11 years old uh, for a little while. And I learned how to do briskets and things like that from him. It's kind of a time honored kind of a thing, you know? So I've been doing it about 40 years, Uh, but I always wanted to do it myself and, and, Customer service was what I was a guru at. And uh, just treating people great is half the battle in the restaurant business. If if you're snobby and you don't go out of your way to make things happen, I may, I may not put on my menu that I put mayonnaise on a brisket sandwich. But if somebody comes up and wants mayonnaise on their brisket sandwich, I don't go, oh, we don't do that here. Hmm. I treat the customer like they're something special to me because they're spending money with me. So at one time I didn't have any, I got one of my employees and gave them the money and sent them to the corner store to buy a $5 mayonnaise Hmm. in a little bitty thing instead of a $2 great big one at at the big store, Hmm. just so I could have it immediately. And the time that I sent them up there, it was a five minute trip. Their meal was ready and I was ready to use the mayonnaise. that's the kind of things you do if you want your restaurant to be successful is you go out of your way and, and the people like seeing the owners there, you know, we were so successful because I saw every plate that went out. Hmm. I mean, I cook every plate, but, uh, I opened a barbecue place, uh, built it myself. So many people stopped by to try to sell me high dollar menus and a $10,000 sign out front and this, hmm. that, and the other. And, I would find the building that I wanted, a meager building, and do the work myself and hmm. line it with tin or whatever and buy used tables and chairs and print my own menu up until I made enough money that I could buy commercial menus. And people don't really gauge your restaurant by your $20 a piece menu. They come in and they see the items that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the big success for us was uh, we looked at our food. I ordered all the food. We cut our own meats. Uh, we treated them like they were special guests in our home. Mm-hmm. So when you came to our steakhouse, uh, I had a steakhouse and seafood place. And uh, I think the other mistake maybe is that people make, uh, they get too many things on their menu. Mm-hmm. You can't be good at 40 things, but you can be real good at 10 things. Mm-hmm. And then have some sides and things like that. And 
and we only did two desserts. We did homemade banana pudding and we did homemade strawberry shortcakes. Hmm. And when I say homemade, I mean, we made the whipping cream and we cut the strawberries and, and we did all that. And so, uh, it's little things that people come they say, I don't know, I can't decide whether I want banana pudding or strawberry shortcake. And so I came up with a deal. I said, why don't you let me make you a straw nanner pudding? <laughs> and Oh, can you do that? And I said, yeah, I'll give you half <laughs> banana pudding, half strawberry shortcake at the same price. So I went back there myself and did it and came out. From that day forward, every time they came in, they ordered straw nanner and it ended up on their menu. <laughs> So that's how menus are created is different things. You know, we tried frying asparagus one time instead of grilling it for an appetizer and it turned out really great. Hmm. We tried it and it worked. So, you know, the trial and error and menus are made up of, of chefs and cooks getting tired of eating the same thing on the menu. So they mix and match and come up with something good. And, uh, I'm thinking, you know, 50% is having great food all the time. Consistency. The other thing is be kind, nice, and accepting the other 50% consistently and not just hitting the miss. Because, Anthony, when me and you go to into a restaurant, we want to remember what it was like. So when I take my other friend in there, mm-hmm. I tell him it was the best that I've ever had. And when I go in there and it's bad, it's because either the owner wasn't there or somebody in the back was having a bad day and it just didn't. And they allowed the stuff to go out. Mm. One of the things we were picky about was seeing everything that went out of our kitchen and making sure. And then we did a walk around about every 15 minutes Hmm. to make sure everybody was satisfied. And man, that goes a long way. But without exception, people spend too much money up front Mm -hmm. on doilies and menus and signs and things. When you can take a nice print, easy to read print with a banner or a less expensive sign Mm -hmm. it can be black and white or red and white and it just says what you do yeah and uh then you can build then you can make a nice one then you want to be part of the community and you get to stay more than a year yeah now uh so that was the steak and seafood restaurant correct yes i had a steak and seafood in uh east of temple okay and then i had a smokehouse in harker heights yep and then i had a steakhouse in belton Okay. And uh, in our kind of retirement, uh, I said I'd like to do one more restaurant before we quit because I'm a retired firefighter. But my wife said, no, please, no, no more employees. <laughs> and so she compromised with me, me and we did a food truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a food trailer, but we just me and her. I cooked 1,500 pounds of meat a week wow. for three days. And she made homemade sides. Uh, But I can name you right now without looking at any menu, everything that was on our menu because Hmm. we didn't do overkill. We did the things that we did very well. And people came back because it was the best that they'd ever had. And we greeted them. They they talked to an owner. Anytime they ordered or anytime they discussed anything, there was either me or my wife there. And that makes a huge difference. And we had paper menus. And what we did that made our business work in the food trailer business was social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing in the social media, two <laughs> things. The second thing probably is we didn't move around. We stayed at the same place. Somebody that's on an hour lunch, they don't have time to look for you mm-hmm. or wonder where you're at. They knew where we were going to be. So yeah. that's a big part of our success. 
you know, that was, well, I've been here in, in Syracuse for six years. So I'd say that was probably eight years ago, seven, eight years ago that, um, you know, I was in Texas and I can remember, um, you know, I didn't know that you all had, uh, retired from, uh, from the trailer, from the food truck. Uh, but it, it now makes sense. Cause I, you know, Miss Paula used to tag me and just about everybody that you all knew every single day in the Facebook videos. Yeah, and that's posts, right. Yeah. And, and looking back on it now, you know, you guys did a really, uh, not only just a great job with, with Facebook and with social media back then, uh, but you were definitely ahead of the game and, and, and what you guys were putting out. Yeah. And you know, people, we had, we did one video, we were kind of silly in it. You know, I did this kind of little rap along with some music in the background and talked about barbecue and this, that, and the other. And we got, 40,000 views <laughs> on that on that one post but Paula would get up and get on 60 to 80 market uh, market sites oh yeah and put on our all of our business came from social media we didn't go with uh, Yelp and Google and all these things anything that cost money we stayed away from so mm. we were able to pay everything we owned off yeah and uh, put money back and have a lot of fun enjoying three to four days a week. And, of course, we catered also. We, we stayed yeah. crazy busy catering and things uh, because they would come to our trailer and eat and go, do y'all cater this? And we were like, yeah. So we would do 500,000 person weddings and, hmm. and a lot of Army Fort Hood stuff. And uh, it was just uh, the, the key to success, I think, is consistently consistently marketing on Facebook mm -hmm. and social media, consistently making videos of what you do because 50% of food sales is sight. Yeah. When you see something really good, you've got to go try it. In all of our comments, when I would show a video of me slicing brisket or as up in New York, if you're slicing corned beef or pastrami or you're making a Philly cheesesteak or, mm -hmm. or if you're putting out awesome pork chops, when people can see that, they got to come try it. So that's the cheapest advertising you can do. Yeah. is word of mouth. Secondly, social media without spending a lot of money. Yeah. You know, you two put in a, I really like that you said that, but you two uh, put in a lot of your, you know, time and sweat and tears into that business. I mean, I remember nope. being at destiny one day and, you know, uh, you know, I wish I, I wish I had the uh, awareness to kind of, to, to watch what you two, what you all were doing, uh, when I was there, but looking back at it now, and I know we're only talking, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, but, but still looking back at it now and knowing the, the being in the restaurant scene up here and seeing a lot of the restaurant owners get started and fail and not know what decision to make and all that kind of stuff. Looking back at what I saw you and Miss Paula do, you know, you all just, you know, you were all, I'm sure you were exhausted at night, but you all were not only working all the time, working hard, but, you know, I never can remember uh, talking to you all and you you two not being appreciative of having the business, of being able to work. Um, yeah. You yeah. weren't, you know, I remember one day, and I can't tell you how much time elapsed between it, but I remember one day, you know, you pulled up at Destiny with the smoker pulling behind you 
And I just remember everybody ran out to get lunch because it was that good and I hadn't had it before then. And then however much time, you know, then you guys had that awesome trailer set up there um, on the corner. I forget what that intersection was, but, um, you know, you guys just progressed, I feel like, smartly. You didn't run out and go finance some big trailer and try and start with some crazy over-the-top thing. You know, you built it with your, you know, hard work and effort and obviously great food and customer service, but you built it slowly and got to a certain point. You're exactly right about that. We started with my excursion in my pit, and I did 50 stops. So what we wanted to do was to check the temperature of the people and what they liked. And if they liked what we were doing on a small scale, we would step up to the next scale. Mm. And we scaled it on up. But me and my wife literally would get up in the mornings after cooking all night long, and we would would place the stuff on our pit. And we had a couple of igloos full of, you know, we— we actually didn't have anything to drink. We started off with just ribs, and I would cook 30 racks of ribs. And Actually, I guess to back up a little bit, I cooked 10 racks of ribs and went out and sold out in an hour. Hmm. So I cooked 20 racks of ribs and sold out in an hour and a half. So I cooked 30 racks, hmm. and I didn't want to really be out there any longer than that so that I could enjoy it every day, and I didn't just completely just hate it. So... We ended up cooking 30 racks, and then I found that smoked turkey legs were a big hit. So we cooked 10 turkey legs, and they all sold. 20 hmm. turkey legs, they all sold. 50 turkey legs. So hmm. for for a little while, we sold 30 racks of ribs and 50 turkey legs every day. Hmm. We pulled up in a vacant parking lot, put a little folding white table out, two lawn chairs, and an umbrella. <laughs> to keep the sun off of us. I had a manual, a knife, uh, a butcher knife, a cutting board, and I literally kept my pit at the required temperature to keep it health safety. Mm -hmm. But I would lift that lid open, and they would see that barbecue, and I'd (laughs) cut that slab for them right there, and they would ask me, do you sell half slabs? I said, no, we only sell full slabs. Oh, well, I can't eat a full slab. Take it home and have it tonight. (laughs) <laughs> so they got to where that's what they knew. They were going to pull up and give me the money for a slab or the money for a turkey leg. <laughs> so people were asking, do you have drinks? And I started asking, if we had drinks, what kind of drink would you drink? <laughs> so we took the five top drinks and started carrying about a 12-pack of each of those, and we would sell out of those every day. And then we made our homemade potato salad, and we'd make 10 pints of that, sell out. We, next day, we'd do 15 pints. And we just went to what the market wanted. So uh, after we did that for a while, we would make 50 stops in the morning. We'd loaded it up, and we had chopped beef and pulled pork tacos. Mm. And uh, we would go around to worker bee people like lube shops and mm. people that didn't have time to stop and go to lunch, but but had been working all morning and wanted something cold to drink and something they could stand there and eat and then get back to work. Hmm. So we did that, and that literally paid for our food trailer. So we got the food trailer, and we just added to the menu monthly until we could do only as much as we could do. We didn't overtax ourselves. We wanted what we did to be very good, so... What we did was just added to our menu as people would request. Just because somebody comes up and wants to ask if you have chocolate cake doesn't mean you go make a chocolate cake. Yeah. 
That means that person buys that one piece of chocolate cake and you might not see them for two weeks and you have a whole cake back there because <laughs> nobody else wanted chocolate cake. <laughs> so, you know, you got to, you know, the things that people want, uh, but literally we did brisket, pulled pork, sausage, Cornish game hens, rack of lamb, uh, turkey legs, turkey breast, uh, banana pudding, strawberry shortcake. We did homemade collard greens, homemade cornbread, homemade potato salad, homemade coleslaw, and homemade barbecue sauce. Hmm. And, of course, we had our bread, pickles, onions, and stuff to go with that. And that's what you could get. Yeah. Everybody knew that it was going to be good, and we didn't over-menu ourselves, and we didn't spend a lot of money on uh, high-dollar wraps and stuff. I had a sidewalk sign with our menu on it, and if it changed, I could make a new one and just attach it. And that allowed us to put money in our pocket instead of continually putting it into other people's pockets. Yeah. So what was the, when was the turning point? I mean, you all had built, you know, from, you know, the cooler and the table uh, to, um, you know, then going around to those stops and then eventually that, that big trailer. And, uh, you know, for, I will say this, you know, for a lot of the, the food truck scene, obviously, I mean, you know, well, you, you know, y'all live out there, so you know exactly how, how great the food truck scene can be. You know, you're so close to Austin, the food truck scene here in upstate New York and Syracuse where I'm at, it's gotten better, but it still has a long way to go. And so we've got, you know, when people hear trailer around here, they think something kind of dumpy. Uh, but that trailer, a little bit, little bit jicky, little bit jicky, and may not be so good. Yeah, that trailer that you all had was gorgeous. I mean, that thing was state of the art. Yeah, it was. It was a full stainless steel. Uh, and here's the deal, you know, the guy that bought that trailer, brand new, paid eighty five thousand dollars for it. Wow. It was stainless steel, three section sinks, griddles, vena hoods, refrigeration, commercial refrigeration, double windows, hmm. double access points, generator that push start, runoff propane uh all these things we had two 40 pound double basket fryers in there that we could fry fish or fries with hmm. or or anything we could literally pull out in the middle of a cornfield and serve 300 people hmm. right out of our trailer because we were uh we were fixed where we could go anywhere without anybody's power or anything so we had a a water tank that we could fill up and then just like a camper at the end of the day if we had to go dump our gray water we went to a certified health certified place to dump our gray water and uh, fill our fresh water tank back up. But the biggest thing is to make some deals with people. This trailer was $85,000, but the guy I bought it from bought it for him for $40,000. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of a, I I don't know. Some people say I'm tighter than Dick's hat man, but I'm kind of a (laughs) wheeler dealer. So, uh, I put an ad on Facebook, hey, looking for a food trailer to purchase from somebody that is about to throw up because they're so tired of it and don't know how to make it work. Hmm. Two days later, I get a call. Guy says, hey, I've got a great food trailer. It's all stainless steel. It was an $85,000 trailer. Hmm. I'd like to talk to you about it. And so uh, I started talking to him about it. And all these people think they got to go get a loan, you know, and go to the bank and get a loan for $40,000. I told the guy, I said, hey, uh, do you have a clear title on the trailer? He said, no, I'm still making payments of $1,050 a month. Hmm. 
I said, well, I'm willing to take that payment over so you don't have to th throw up every day knowing you got to make that <laughs> payment along with all your other stuff because you're not making any food uh, in it now. And I will do that. And I have a string of references and this, that, and the other. And he said, okay, well, I've considered that. How much do you want to put down? I said, I don't want to put anything down. <laughs> I want you to trust me. I want you to show me. I want you to see that the first month that I have it, I'll pay you cash. I'll pay you your payment every month on the first without fail. He said, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you for 30 days. And then you tell me if you think you can make it or not. And I'm not charging you anything for that. So hmm. we met, I took it, started operating it, opened it up, put it where we had it set up there, where you're used to seeing it. Mm -hmm. And he came around after the month and I had him a thousand fifty dollars. He said, you don't owe me that. I said, no, but I made good money and I want to pay you for trusting and believing in me. He said that right there makes me ready to do the deal. Wow. So I paid him a thousand fifty dollars a month and he owed about 24 months on it. Hmm. Uh, still. And I was going to continue paying until the $40,000 was taken care of. But, mm -hmm. Uh, because of our diligence and our hard work and up at nights and making sure stuff was good and ready to go early in the morning, we paid that thing off in 12 months Wow! Uh, with cash. And uh, he was tickled to see that. Hmm. And we did it for seven years. Wow. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, you can run. Our last year we did it, we ran $412,000 three days a week out of a food truck. Wow. That's and so amazing. if you're able to keep half of that, you can pay some stuff off. Yeah. And, uh, it, it allowed us to be able to retire, but I guess if I had to say anything to anybody is take what you got and be excellent with it. Mm -hmm. Be there every day that you say you will be the first person that comes by and you're not there. They're going to tell everybody, well, I went over there to get me a sandwich and they weren't there again. Hmm. You have to be consistent with whatever you do, your hard work, your consistency. You don't allow, well, that potato, those were bad potatoes. This potato salad doesn't taste like the last batch. What do you do? You get rid of that batch of potatoes and you go buy some more and you do it again, even if it has to be done at two o'clock in the morning, hmm. because you want it to be the same as it was yesterday. So your consistency with treating your customers right your consistency with your food being the same all the time. There's a, there's a restaurant chain that has big yellow M <laughs> that may not be the best hamburger in the whole wide world to some people, but it's consistently yeah. the same burger every single time. You know exactly what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. So there's a lesson to be learned from those guys is that, it can be bad food as long as it's always bad food. <laughs> they know what they're getting. What makes it better is when it's always good food and you're always ready to meet your customer, invite them, treat them like family, and go out of your way to make them love what you're doing. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, sir, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Well, we miss you, Anthony. I always loved being around you. You've got a sense of humor kind of like me. 
uh, we like making fun of people and sitting <laughs> back and watching people trip over rugs, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the food business is probably one of the hardest business you'll ever be in. But, yeah. but uh, you know, there's a lot of chefs that are turning to food trucks and trailers because they can concentrate and do it better than the person they worked for, and they can be consistent. And uh, I would like to encourage anybody out there that wants to be in the food business, hey, Start with a hot dog trailer. Mm-hmm. Make the best hot dog you can. Add you something to go along with it. Then everybody on that block will be coming to you for whatever it is you did. You know, we did pulled pork. We did pulled pork, I mean, uh, pork belly sliders. Mm. So we would do pork belly about an inch thick in a two-by-two two square. And I would put hoisin sauce and yum-yum sauce on it mm. with a little toasted uh kind of a Hawaiian roll Mm -hmm. and the people would line up for that tender pork belly sliders. And here I am in the barbecue business, but I just added something that I knew would work. And if it didn't work, quit prolonging it. Just get out of it. Yeah. Well, there it is, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. You know, about 90% of our episodes are, I just want to talk to the guests. I want to get to learn more about them. And so I invite them on. And uh, we hit record and then we put it out. No, 10% of the podcasts that we put out there with the guests are people that um, I want to ask them specific questions to put uh, information out to our guests, to our audience, uh, to our audiences rather. And so uh, that's how it is with with, uh, Mr. Les, you know, him and Miss Paula, his wife, you know, they had uh, this business, this barbecue business when I lived there in Colleen and we all went to church together, but. Man, they worked hard. They put out great barbecue. They had great customer service. They were crushing it. Miss Paula was crushing it on Facebook long before anybody else was. And, uh, you know, I didn't really appreciate what I was seeing then. But looking back on it now, I can, you know, we're not talking 30 years ago. We're talking seven years ago. But um, uh, looking back on it now to see their dedication their work ethic, their success, it's really something interesting. And so, you know, I've been, you know, I've been, I've told friends around here and different owners part of their story before, and I'm just thrilled I was able to have, you know, Mr. Les here on the podcast to, to uh, chat with him and get his advice for some restaurant owners and business owners out here. So uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed, hit that subscribe button, whatever platform that you're listening to the podcast on. That just means that you'll be updated the moment a new episode is released. Don't forget to leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the Eat Local New York podcast. And, uh, yeah, you can visit us online at eatlocalnystate.com. And we're going to catch you next week right here on the Eat Local New York podcast. (music) 